Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mike Boris. The cost of living is packing a punch right now. You're probably feeling the sting. So there's anxiety, particularly amongst Aussies in their late 20s and 30s, to act defensively when it comes to money. I get asked every single day, where should I put my money? How do I grow my investments? So the importance of diversifying and not going all in on certain investments is at the forefront of our minds. Equity Mates Media is Australia's number one finance and investing podcast network, ranging from podcasts on how and where you should invest to crypto and demystifying the economy. Basically, their mission is to help people from all walks of life navigate the confusing world of finance, whilst also building a viable business in the still-developing world of podcasting. Bryce Lesky and Alec Renahan, co-founders of Equity Mates Media and hosts of their flagship show, Equity Mates, join me today. We discuss how to attract sponsors, leaning into and identifying who your audience or customer base is, and creating a better money mindset when it comes to your equity. So let's get into it. Ali Renahan, Bryce Lesky, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks for having us, Mike. And so, of course, your equity mates, um, literally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Literally, literally. <laughs> I mean, I'm always getting intrigued about how two dudes get together and um, make these decisions. So that sort of makes me... So by definition, go back to what were you doing before Equity Mates, Ren? Because I know you re- yep. affectionately referred to as Ren. I mean, yeah, I was yeah, a toy yeah. call you Ren now. <laughs> it's very rare that people have a professional nickname, but yeah, I'm yeah. trying to pioneer it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're killing it. So, Ren, where were you before Equity Mates? So, Bryce and I met at university. We were down in Canberra at ANU. Um, uh, I grew up in Sydney. He grew up in Wagga. Uh, and we met where all great businesses are founded, the nation's capital. And uh, we lived together and... Just wanted to learn about investing. Um, I grew up in a family that didn't know anything. Property was the the way you built wealth. Uh, and Bryce had learned about investing. So he kind of taught me. I was studying law and Asia Pacific security, yeah. a very niche uh, degree, that one, Asia yeah. Pacific security. Um, and Bryce was studying music uh, and then switched over to business. Um, so no, no finance, uh, background That's sort of out there, both of you. Um, so you're living there, like you're sharing accommodation down there. Yeah. So we met in college and then we're living in a share house, just yeah, partying, just started talking. Yeah. <laughs> Do you sort of think to yourselves or start talking to yourselves, each other, I should say, oh man, I fucking love to do this. I'm really not that happy with my course. It shits me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so- I'm, I'm racking up all this debt. Yeah, debt. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I didn't really think about that. Didn't really think, yeah, <laughs> we weren't thinking about debt. But, I mean, we. I think we speak about this a lot. We're pretty fortunate that we have a group of mates who are pretty entrepreneurial and so we would spend a lot of our time just buzzing with ideas of what could be. Like I didn't grow up anyone had an entrepreneurial bone in their body. I don't know. I did grow up in Wagga. I think my parents encouraged me and um, to kind of think big and I was doing Lesky's lawns as a teenager, mowing lawns to save for schoolies. So didn't exit that business, it, but um, that was fun. And, and then moved to uni and I don't know, I feel like when university, there's just so many people that uh, have different interests and you kind of slowly find that you're gravitating towards people that share similar interests. And I think we were fortunate enough that yeah, I think that's the thing. We're all it, pretty pretty entrepreneurial. I think a lot of it is luck. You know, if I had stayed in Sydney, if Bryce had gone to a different uni rather than Wagga, 
this wouldn't have happened and I probably wouldn't have started a business. I probably would have been working with a suit and tie rather than a T-shirt. Is that because you sought out those particular individuals to be part of your circle? I had a smaller circle at school. I wouldn't. I think one of the ideas that we came up we we <laughs> we would pirate DVDs and sell them at school. So I don't know if we want to say that publicly, <laughs> <You> but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. No one knew how to take a DVD from the video shop and scan it and put it onto a, a CD. So we did that and sold sold them at school. I've always been inspired by entrepreneurs, the stories of success, creating things. I think we're both incredibly curious people. I know who are the people that I want to hang out with and it's people that share that sort of same feeling and, and energy to create things. So, Ren? Yeah. Same? Yeah, I think so. Um, I didn't have a pirate DVD business if anyone's <laughs> listening. We probably didn't actively seek each other out. It wasn't consciously like I want to find a co-founder while I'm at uni. I want to start a business when I leave uni. It was more just like we were inspired by the same things and interested in the same things and those were the conversations we enjoyed having and we've got not just the two of us but a group of mates that just uh, I guess are really inspired by people that have built businesses and love discussing the possibilities of building more and um in year eight I was like 14 or 13 or something Remember Toffees? Do you remember uh, Toffees? You probably don't remember. There was it used to be able to get water and sugar and uh, flavour. You boil it and you put it in a little cupcake thing and it used to cool. When it cooled, it was cooled really hard. Yeah. It was just a piece of sugar basically. Have it at school fates. And you have it at school fates. Yeah. My thought of shit, a lot of people buy that stuff. So I asked my mum to show me how to make them and uh, sell them at school. Um, I got in trouble for that. Um, but still, <laughs> I, I, and I am just thinking about now when you say it. And uh, I remember watching a show on television. It was like an American Western type thing and they had this old corn cob and they used to sit there with smoking this old pipe. I'd like to smoke a pipe. And so I went out and got my cricket stump, saw the, the, the sort of a little chunk off the bit there and I – Dad had a like a grinder th- sort of thing and I ground the inside of it out and I ground a hole in it. And then I ha- at the front of my house, Mum had a little – like a tree. It was um, – I can't remember the name of the tree, but it's really popular on Mother's Day. I remember mucking around with the, the stem on there and I took a stem off one time and I just threw it on the ground and I went back and it dried out after about two weeks I got a coat hanger piece and I pushed the, there was a, a pulp in the middle. I pushed it through because it was quite soft. Then I had this, like a, a wooden straw, made myself a pipe. Nice. <laughs> and I thought, I want to smoke this thing, but I, you know, I can't buy tobacco. I was pretty young. So I went and got tea leaves out of mum's kitchen, just pretending to, for it to be tobacco and I could smoke the tea leaves. You can actually smoke them. I took it to school and I was fucking around with it, like being a show off. And other kids said, oh, make me one. So I started making these and selling them nice. at school. And, uh, and I got caught out again. I got in trouble for doing it again. So I got in trouble with my mum uh, but for smoking. But it was, I said mum's only two leaves. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is it's funny. I was always curious and I never really thought about it until you just mentioned it. But my friends were more interested, not interested in any of those things. They were interested in playing footy, some of which play for state of origin, play for, you know, play for first grade. Um, none of them really interested in that environment. I never really mixed with those guys or girls in my growing up years who were entrepreneurial. It wasn't until much later in my life that I started seeing meeting entrepreneurial people who really inspired me to get involved in business. If you think you've got entrepreneurial spirit, you've got to surround yourself for those types of people. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Thinking about uni, like everyone sort of has an idea, but I think the difference with the the kind of people that we found would at least give things a crack. Is that a reason why you should go to university? Because there are a lot of like-minded people there. Oh, I don't know if it was the universe. I mean, yeah, yeah, the networks you make in university are really valuable. But I don't think, I think it's wherever you are, just find people that like inspire you and that you want to start something with and don't just have a beer at the pub and talk about it. Actually try and start But what it. happens if I'm going to work at my dad's mechanic shop? Because I don't go to university, like you said, you know, I agree. It's not always, it's not the be all and end all, but I don't go to university. So I don't go into a center where there's lots of people with ideas and like a thirst for learning. And, but I never really get to mix with any of these people. Therefore, I don't get any inspiration. I get no motivation. I think in every workplace, in every business, in every industry, there is someone who's thinking this could be done better or asking why we're we doing this. But there's not uh, as many uh, people, are there? There might not be as many, but there's always people. And it's just like, having that conversation with those people and then taking the step of how can we do it better? Ren, do you think you'd be the same dude sitting here talking to me today, being a part owner and founder of Equity Mates, 
if you had a stayed in Sydney worked in your dad's business? No, I'd be very different. So do you think maybe this university thing, and by the way, moving out of home, so you're not in, you're not in your territory, mm. you're stuck and we have to confide in each other what we're thinking. Yeah. 100%. Bryce was really important in ending up where I am. Like I don't think I would have started anything and I definitely don't think I would have been successful. Bryce, what does he bring to the table then? Yeah, this is uh, interesting. <laughs> Would you look, like to propose uh, to you? <laughs> no, but look, I, I so before I was at Coles, Bryce was at Woolies, and uh, <laughs> I, I think I've said this in an interview before that like if Bryce wasn't running Equity Mates, he'd be running Woolworths. Not just the entrepreneurial stuff, but the management stuff. But thinking about corporate world now makes me want to, <laughs> makes me want to vomit. Yeah, yeah. So we both worked in the corporate environment. We did, yeah. yeah. After after uni, which part of Coles would you work in? So what uh, the hell has got an Asia Asia security? I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> well, the the thinking was uh, I did law and I didn't mind it, but I found it very backwards looking. I found it, you know, you were assigning responsibility for what other people have done, or you're helping build other people's businesses. Um, and that didn't really excite me. The excitement was in building something um, myself, being in the fight, not advising on the fight. And so I was like, I just sprayed and prayed of a whole bunch of graduate applications. Coles were the only ones dumb enough to take me. Um, and so... And dumb enough to let you go. Yeah. So, you, so you're, you're in Coles in Melbourne. Yep. So you, you're part of company. Yep. And you? So I did half a music degree. I wanted to be a performer, a, a drummer, jazz drummer, session drummer. I uh, had been drumming since I was like five years old. So went through all school um, in my gap year, went to India for 12 months and then, you know, did the whole like got to be a musician. Um, then halfway through the the year, um, ANU sort of changed their focus on the music school and so they essentially shut it down and then I did business economics. And oh, you, you transferred over to business yeah. economics. You went to Woolies. Yeah. Where? Here in Sydney um, in a commercial like leadership program um, and then ended up in the strategy team. Right. So here you two guys working for two um, opposing retailers. Like and Nothing like, was shared between <laughs> us. <laughs> and we're talking, we're talking about real, real retailers. I mean, it's uh, about as tough as you get yeah. in terms yeah, of retailing yeah. um, at, at every level. Obviously kept in contact with each other. Yeah, so yeah well. How would you do uh, that? As soon, so Bryce left uni a year before me, but as soon as I left uni, I travelled for a bit and then we started Equity Mates straight away. Oh, like, like as a side hustle? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't even know if you could call it a side hustle then. It was just a... Curiosity. It was just we wanted to learn about investing and get people to speak to us. And like, okay, how did that come about? Like, so you're so you're working in one organisation, in Melbourne. You're looking at working in another joint. But you said let's set this business up called Equity Mate. So, like, what was the it's, motivation it, behind it, it? It started at uni. We were. I mean, I'd been investing for a while. Ren hadn't, but super smart guy, and I think figured out that there's a lot of interesting stuff here and could be doing something with my money. And so we started playing the with stock. your money. Well, no, with his money, <laughs> but right. I'll give him my money one day. But um, then we started playing the ASX stock market game just at uni and that was the last year of our, well, at least living together. Um, and I think then we just realised that there was, we we're listening to podcasts at the time, there was nothing with an Australian focus, there was nothing for beginners. The biggest show was the Investors Podcast overseas, We Study Billionaires. And naively, Ren went away overseas and we were talking about doing a blog that just tracked our journey and then we kind of just said, nah, let's just give a podcast a go and literally use it as an excuse to knock on the doors of fund managers to ask them how to invest. That was the start of it. We never anticipated that it would be anything. Podcasting wasn't even a business You, you back weren't then. going in the business of broadcasting? No way. No, no way. We were set on corporate ladder and, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. just fresh out of uni into a corporate gig and, you know. What enthralled you or, or made you curious at least about equity? Well, I was already in it. So I'd been, my parents had really encouraged me from literally like five years old to start thinking about building wealth in the stock market. And so I think that was... It wasn't a decision of, okay, we want to start a media business and focus on an asset class. It was just kind of like, this is what we're now finding ourselves interested in. And I think, as we said, the curiosity that we have in us, you don't get that through properties or investing. You can just 
really open your eyes to what's happening. So I think there's there's two reasons. One is, uh, I guess, a negative and the other is the positive. So start with the negatives. Equities are just more accessible for people like us and especially people like us when we're at uni than anything else. Property, we've all heard yeah, about too, property too prices. Too expensive. Any saving product, term deposit or anything, interest rates were shot and only got lower. Uh, bonds, fixed income, not really accessible and... Too difficult to. Not, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also small margins and you've got to do a lot of volume. Yeah. you got to put dough into it. Yeah. So, so there was a little bit of a process of elimination there that this was the market that was accessible to small dollar retail investors. But the positive side and the side that I think we realised there but I've really come to understand since is just how unbe- unparalleled the opportunity in equity markets is. All of the world's greatest innovations of the last 200 years have been accessible to investors through the stock market, you know, from uh, home and kitchen appliances with Westinghouse, from cars with Ford to today, the Facebooks, the Amazons, and whatever the innovations of tomorrow are, we as regular people with small amounts of money have the opportunity to invest in them and to invest in something that grows and changes over time. You bought shares in Amazon in 1997 when it IPO'd, it was a company doing a few million dollars in revenue selling books and you just held it. You did nothing else. You hold it for 25 years. It's now a $1.5 trillion company, biggest web services business. It fundamentally changed what it is because you buy a house, you sell a house, you can subdivide it, you can renovate it, but you're selling what you bought. What you bought. When you buy equities, it's completely different. They are raising money, they are hiring the smartest people, they are inventing new products, they are figuring out how to enter new markets, all to make money for you as a shareholder. Assuming you're the right investment. Well, yeah, of course, of course. But but that opportunity, when you compare, put that against property or bonds or term deposits, there is, it is unparalleled in my mind. Yeah, okay. So that's what excited you about it. Yeah, and as you can see, I'm still very excited about it. <laughs> Recently, I, I, I had Jordan Belfin on my podcast. So uh, that's the way he talks too, by the way. <laughs> uh, 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 not quite a comparison. <laughs> we'll talk about regulation later. Though. Wolf of Pitt Street over yeah. here. <laughs> but, 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 but I understand that, but I get it. And it, I think it's the accessibility thing that makes it interesting. You know, and the stories that go around the place too are very interesting too. Like, you know, people started saying, well, did you invest in this? I mean, I've invested in that. And you think, shit, hang on, I'm missing out FOMO, et cetera. Information about what everybody's doing is far more regularly available and more easily available and cheap. It's cost nothing. Mm. And I can find out what everyone's doing. Yeah, so I've got no excuse. And if I'm in the know, I'm going to chase it down. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was obviously inspired by the Buffets and the and the Bill Gates, you know, these, as a young kid, you're reading about the richest people in the world and, and understanding that the way they built this wealth is through owning businesses. And as Ren said, the share market gives us the opportunity to own businesses that, and, and that's how real wealth is built. But like what we, I love now is we spend so much time each week talking on the show about industries, people, themes, trends, countries, you name it, that I would never be spending my time researching or reading about if I wasn't interested in the the equity market. Well, you don't even have to do it now. Someone's going to come in who's probably spent 20, 30 years researching it, experiencing it, practicing in it, and they'll come into your podcast and they'll distill their 30 years in an hour. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing this five years now and we're still – coming across people that we finished the interview and we're like, God damn, that wow. was, that was yeah. awesome. Like we're so pumped that we've had that conversation and our eyes are open to the possibilities and we've just learned something that, again, if I was sitting in Woolies and no offense to Woolies, but like the, the day in, day out, you're not mentally challenging yourself to learn more and be curious. And then obviously on top of all of that comes the entrepreneurial and business side. You guys sit down and you go, okay, I think initially you said you did a blog. Like we thought blog. about, we about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad we didn't do the blog. Yeah. In high I actually hate I hate writing. So, <laughs> so and it's amazing. Blogs like don't even exist now. People won't spend the time to read a long blog anymore. No. But so the whose idea or how did you sort of come up with this idea? Let's do a podcast. I think it was it was you that said one on a podcast. I think so. Yeah, yeah. and but then we definitely didn't have the gear. Didn't we had it. one multi sort of multi directional um, microphone that I'd picked up from my music school that was actually designed for acoustic guitars. 
and we stupidly sat on my balcony outside with cockatoos flying around, put this microphone between us and just went, let's tell everyone what value investing is. (laughs) (laughs) Serious? Yeah. Yeah. And then that was the very first episode still publicly available. Still on the feed. Still on the feed. Um, You can go and listen to the audio quality. And we just decided to give it a crack and explain what we thought value investing was and because that was at the time was what we had come across and learnt as the the way to be that's the type of investor you should be how many years ago 2017 okay so we took it five years ago how many people listened to it back then back then yeah so i remember the first time we clocked over 100 downloads and i think that was four months in or five months in i think by the end of the first year we'd only had like a thousand all together total but we'd done 50 episodes yeah and it was purely just a labor of love for us yeah and i remember just getting so excited about like different things we could talk about and yeah no one was listening but we loved it but and how well then you obviously got got people to listen to it how did you build the awareness program around what your content was so I think number one lesson that we learn and that we tell podcasters coming up now is guests. Um, we started interviewing guests that had audiences and we just leached onto their audiences. And that was probably the only growth strategy we had for yeah. a while. We didn't even yeah. touch Instagram for two and a half years when it didn't even have a presence. We had a small presence on Facebook. It was purely just word of mouth. And I think there's some data that's come out to show the average time that it takes to grow a podcast audience from zero to 10, 20, 50, 100,000. And my kind of biggest takeaway is that we just were consistent and just ground grounded out for three years. And it took that period of time to kind of get that hockey stick growth. But it was never something that we sat down and said, by the end of this year, we need 50,000 downloads because we want to turn this into a business. I think we were never really fussed about the downloads because we were getting out of it what we wanted. Mm. And, and it was we, we probably didn't make money in the first year. We didn't make money in the first like two and a half yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was never even a thing that podcasting was a business. We never thought about media business, publishing. It was kind of scratching my itch of that having something to do outside of work and thinking about entrepreneurship and stuff. I mean, you found some good investments out of it. We both did. You yeah, found yeah. Afterpay, I found before, Afterpay before it was even Afterpay Touch. So, yeah. you know, we um, we were learning and it was paying off in other ways. And, you know, I was in Melbourne, he was in Sydney. It was a good way for us to, I guess, keep in touch as well. So there's a lot of benefits, but it wasn't really a business. Yeah. So I'm going to go to the break. When I come back from the break, I want to talk to you about the business model. I want to understand how you grew it to where you are today. I mean, you've got lots of different podcasts sitting under your platform or your aggregation platform. I want to know how you earn money out of it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So Bryce Marin, I have my own podcasting business. I have my own business model as well. I know how hard it is to build audiences. And I, I get it. Like guests are really important to turbocharging your audience, my audience, and in this case being people who want to listen to you. And equally, you know, I, I go on other people's podcasts because the audiences want to listen to me or they want to listen to me be interviewed. Um, so that, that's sort of the model about uh, building audiences. I mean, you can add Instagram to it and sometimes Facebook to it, you know, and various other things, LinkedIn or whatever you might want to use for TikTok even for that matter. Um, but they're sort of sideshows if the, if the guts of it, the content is right and the content always comes from the guest and it's about finding the right guests and that's not an easy thing to do, by the way. 
the guests won't come on unless they think there's an audience. So it's a bit of a catch-22. Mm. How did you guys build your guest list? So because, you know, finding guests is not easy. Is it just Was it just through doggedness and, uh, you know, fucking just don't leave them alone? Yes. Just keep <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. was, yeah. I mean, we're very fortunate that the guests that came on in the first year didn't really ask how many downloads we were doing and what our size of our audience was because I'm sure otherwise they would have said, "Oh yeah, thanks, but no thanks." But um, but what do they come on to promote themselves? Then do you think? I think we came at it from an angle that was we are not experts here. We're not going to get you on and pump you with questions that you might get from analysts or the media. It was very much, can you come on and teach us about your expertise? And I think people love doing that. People love to talk about them, yeah. not about themselves, but you know, I mean, like. Talk about what they know. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, what would be the commercial reason they would do it apart from wanting to pay forward what they know? Like is it, attracting more investors into themselves? I mean, maybe in the back of their mind. Now we obviously give people distribution opportunities, but at the time we didn't even think about that. We weren't saying, hey, come on and you can talk your book to ex-millennial investors. We were just saying, can you help us understand more about investing? And, and you know, we know the importance of investing as a life skill and we want more millennials to be interested in the market. And I think just through the type of people that they were, they kind of said, yes, we want to just share our knowledge and and subsequently, yeah, built some pretty decent long-term relationships through that. Do you offer a particular audience though to your guests? Yeah, we just say millennial and millennial investors, the what next is, generation. Maybe you could explain to me what you mean by millennial and, and what type of millennials are we talking about? Are they people who are interested in equity markets? I mean, you would assume as much given they're listening to a show um, called Equity Mates. Uh, look, we, we do an audience survey every year. We have data on who's listening. Um, and as Bryce said, you know, the majority is the biggest age bracket, sort of 26 to 35. So that core millennial audience. That's, um, that's, that's your biggest population. Yeah. yeah but yeah, it, yeah. Probably, it probably it does not, it doesn't exclude other populations. No, no, no. 18 to 44 is like 70%. Right. Yeah, yeah. How do you find that out from a podcast though? So podcast analytics, not great. I know. As, as you know, Spotify <laughs> uh, are doing a little bit, but, um, you know, if you want to know who's listening on Apple, you're throwing a... You yeah, know, well, they know, darkness. but they're not going to tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, um, we create a survey just in Survey Monkey every year and send it out to the audience to right. get a snapshot on, a, you know, who they are, but also what they want to hear, um, you know, what their pain points are in their investing journey, what they want more of, what they want less of, um, just as important. And what are you finding? So for podcasts can be anything, you know, Joe Rogan, biggest podcaster in the world, three hours. Two three um, hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kills yeah. me, I can't listen. I know. <laughs> so so I, sometimes, <laughs> I sometimes think like this question can bias podcasters in the wrong way because your podcast should be the length it needs to be to do what you need to do. If it's tell a news story or have a three-hour interview, like it's got to be what it's got to be. The beauty of the format is it's unconstrained. Um, but generally, rule of thumb, the length of a commute we find is the sweet spot. So you're talking 20 to 25 minutes is probably what you right. want. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Because in Sydney they say in terms of house demand or demand for homes, it's a 45-minute commute. It's funny. It's um, People don't buy houses if they're, the premium is not as high for anything beyond 45 minutes out of the city. There you go. And it's based on commute. That that's some sort of data that comes out of core logic. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that's the assumption. That's yeah. interesting. I think the car is the last big battle in the radio v podcast wars. Podcast seems to and Spotify have done really well in everything else, but a lot of radio still listen to it in the car. So that's yeah. the one we gotta gotta win. Sometimes I do. I'll listen to podcasts in the gym for sure. I listen to podcasts if I go for a walk. I drive to work every day. I'm lucky enough to have a car park, but I tend to listen to news feeds on the radio in the car. Mm. Um, as much as I fucking hate it because, you know, <laughs> one's left and one's right, and, you know, yeah, they've yeah. all got agenda-driven, yeah. which is what a podcast shouldn't be or usually are not. Um, radio, unfortunately, is either left or right, mm. and uh, it's, it kills me, and it's in two-minute bites, which is even fucking worse. Like it's you don't find enough about the subject matter, which is why podcasts are so popular. Your model is an aggregator of other people's podcasts too, isn't it? Well, we actually, they're all our podcasts. So you, are, so you own all the podcasts? Yeah. Right. But yeah. you 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 don't do the podcast yourself. Thank God. No. no, no, no. <laughs> I've said to so, Alec, I'm not doing any more podcasts. If two-minute news frustrates you, check out the dive. You'll like, you'll like it. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got that. Uh, all the other shows are with people that we've found from within the community or who have approached so us. So you with curate experts, so to, so to speak? Well, they're not ex- experts. They're all similar vibe to Alec and I. Like yeah. they're passionate about 
wanting to know more about equities and markets. The only experts we do have, I guess, are two um, Shore and Partners financial advisors. And then we've got a Crypto Curious podcast that is in partnership with Bamboo. Crypto Curious bring their own audience or do you create the audience for them? The advantage of starting something with us is we have the platform to build yep. an audience pretty quickly for anyone who comes on. They then use the podcast as distribution and marketing for to build their their audience. But it's a bit different. Like the audience of a platform is somewhat different to the engagement you get from an audience of a mm-hmm. of equity mates. So, because so of it, like Sweat, you know, the really well known yep, business yeah, yeah. model, they sort of do it something sort of similar in that obviously Kayla does her her workouts but she then goes and finds other successful exercise systems. You subscribe to Sweat and then you can have access to any one of these people and then they run off her her platform, her numbers, and she then also runs off their numbers. So they're all running off each other, so to speak, they're, and they're building, 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 and they're leveraging. This is like double leveraging all, all the yeah. way. Is that sort of something similar to what you're doing? Like you're trying to build off each other? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bamboo are now um, launching in the US, so that's going to be great for equity mates as a whole to have them pushing the content overseas in the yeah, US, yeah. and so there's going to be that, like, nice cycle. And additionally, like, all the podcasters – they also want to grow their own communities. So they're doing socials and everything that kind of comes around growing a community, which also feeds back into our sort of tight community as well. So I think the the key insight for us was that we couldn't be everything to everyone. Totally. Yeah. So um, what we have tried to do is build an ecosystem of shows uh around a bunch of different niches and also just a number of different voices that were different to Bryce and I. So there's You're In Good Company, which is very similar to Equity Mates, uh, Maddie and Sophie, uh, trying to figure out, you know, equity markets, investing um, and just sharing their journey and interviewing experts, but just female voice because, you know, we weren't as accessible as we needed to be. Um, then we've got Crypto Curious, which is obviously uh Crypto is a niche. We've got comedian v economist. Comedian uh, versus economist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is uh, this is two brothers. The best show. It's a great show. Yeah, uh, Adam and Thomas. Um, Thomas is an ex RBA economist, and Adam is a stand up comedian. And it's Thomas explaining the world of macroeconomics to Adam. So that's our macroeconomics show. You know, trade war, house that's prices, cool. all of that. Uh, but they are hilarious. Um, and then we've got talk money to me, which is you know uh, Bryce and I don't have a industry experience. We're not licensed. Um, so this is a show that, um, has two financial advisors and they can talk about things that we can't talk about. Um, and then we've got the dive, which is our latest show, um, which is more business news. So if a lot of these shows are investing focused, this is, I guess, a step back in a broader lens. And we feel like business news somewhat lets down Australians at the moment. It's in how indexes indexes moved, how commodity prices moved, wrapped up in two minutes, not well explained. Yeah, Australian dollar versus US dollar. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not accessible and if you don't know it, you're not learning it yeah. by watching it. Um, and so what we've tried to do is um, create a show sort of 15 minutes in length. Um, sometimes I waffle on, so 20 minutes. Um, but just really takes one story and breaks it down and explains it and makes that this whole world of business and investing more accessible. Um, do you sometimes just on the do you sometimes think to yourself when you see I'm gonna, I don't want to pick on the ABC but you know you see Alan Collar who I have a great deal of respect for he gets up there and he has the Aussie dollar and New Zealand dollar and the pound and you think oh my God like glaze over like who's who, who yeah. knows what the fuck you talking my, about my it changed big- it changed by one one cent overnight like does that mean what difference does that make in my life yeah, yeah. My, my biggest gripe with that is if you're a currency trader or if you're an importer or an exporter and you actually about care it. about that you have better data sources than you're the news. About it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you saw it on Bloomberg this morning exactly. like, uh, when, the, when you got to the office. Or yeah. when, no, actually, you saw it on Bloomberg when you wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and there's this pinged you <laughs> yeah. and you saw the change. Exactly. You're yeah, not waiting yeah. for Alan to tell you at 7 o'clock on uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, so my question is who is that? helping who is that no 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 it's, yeah. it's old school editors you know or executive producers who are doing the same stuff they've always done um and i just think it's i think it's boring anyway but i mean i, I sort of marvel at the fact that it's still there and that mm-hmm. but, uh, by the way all the station they all do it i oh, know everyone does seven it. Yeah, does yeah, it yeah, nine yeah. does yeah. it ten probably i don't watch ten ever but they all do it did i did i miss any there only, the other one five i was speaking for a while meet pay love <laughs> yes. which is all about the relationship uh, the money side of relationships so what's the, it called meet meet pay love yeah, yeah. Right. that's the, 
sort of about the sequence, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably, probably reverse it. Meet, love, pay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exploring the conversations you should be having you know, together, together with around money. Yeah. Um, and then our shows equity, uh, get started investing and equity mates. So what's your business model then? Do you take advertisers to your audience? Yes. Is that your model? Yeah. So that's model part one of the business. So it's to grow our audience as large as possible and use that as a, as a funnel. And the way we monetize that is through advertising partnerships. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't know this, but effectively, People like us, podcasters, podcasters, pod, podcasters, <laughs> artists, podcasters are looked at or were looked at until probably more recently as part of the digital spend, you yeah. know, because, you yeah. know, they go to radio and they put some money on radio, to a newspaper, you know, Woolworths go to radio, newspaper, television, and they go, oh, shit, you know, the, the media buyer says you've got to spend a bit of money on digital. And uh, they say, well, let's allocate 10% of the $100 million we're going to yeah. spend. And uh, so, you know, $100,000 we're going to put on digital. Okay, which digital organization are we going to go to? Oh, we'll go to a podcast uh, digital. So, they you know, they go to Southern Cross Australia or they'll yeah, go to someone yeah. like you. And there'll be a show on once a, once a year and they'll talk about all the stuff they got. And then they try and package them up. Yeah. And they'll sell them $100,000 worth of podcasts and they sell my show in. That was sort of a pretty crude way of doing things, but they'd always ask you, what's your numbers? And, you know, of course, I couldn't tell them about my customers because it was podcast one didn't take any data from anybody because they tried to make it friction-free to sign up and they didn't know whether, you know, you were Bryce or Ren and where you come from and what colour hair you had or anything, nothing. Mm. No, nothing about you, right? Because it was this thing, no friction. What do you guys do when the media buyer comes to talk to you? So we are fortunate that the majority of our um, advertising deals are done in-house. We are in, in an industry that is for so long has speak, been speaking to advisors and, you know, the top end of the market and now uh, they're yeah. all starting so, to. So, so uh, the Shaw boys will come and advertise on you. Yeah, Shaw, we've Shaw got Shaw all the brokers in town. We've yeah, yeah. got all the fundies in town who are really interested in t- talking to our audience. Because your audience is, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so they're not so, really looking at the crypto no, no, there's, so much. There's, there's a different, there's a different advertising market there. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. the crypto world is crazy at the moment. But you, um, yeah. so what you do is you sort of package up Sean partners. You say, listen, we've got equity mates, and you're probably eighty percent of the whole audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Round about that, usually eighty twenty. These things always somehow I don't know what there's it's a magic pretty magic. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that is the case, but it seems to apply everywhere. I know. And you can have that other twenty percent for free. Nothing free enough. Yeah, we package it up. You mean. Yes, we do. Yeah. We say. I mean, how do you allocate to what goes to, for example, in terms of revenue, what goes to your other podcasts? So we have a rev share agreement with all of our right. hosts. Um, and each month, depending on how much money they made, we give them, well, not depending, but we just have a, a split. Um, and that's, that's the agreement. And so how we then determine how that cash is split across the shows, first, first and foremost, is the show right for the brand? Are they going to get the outcome that the brand wants. So that's kind of box number one. And then do we have enough allocation to essentially absorb the budget from from that brand um, across the shows? And so there's no sort of um, formula that goes into it. It's just are we going to deliver what the brand wants and then is there space? When I did the Southern Cross Australia thing, the deal that I had there was they, they would, let's say 100 grand came in for, to be allocated to me, they would – charge me a fee for the podcast for production we split what's left after that yeah right and uh i never and my reason i left i didn't like the split yeah yeah <laughs> so uh <laughs> so we've experienced that the the radio sort of that, that's the that's that's the radio yeah mm-hmm. they're all they're all operating the same yep and then, and then they they do a blast i mean they've got like you know, 100 podcasts or something it's something that's crazy and they got, but they got the studios, they got the production crew, they got all the equipment, all the gear, and they and they do do promos for you on their radio shows mm. well, through listener, for example. You you might have got the production crew and the studio. We didn't quite get that. <laughs> <laughs> but but did yeah. you go? To, did you go to podcast one? No, we were uh, we were with another radio network. Yeah, and they, they were great, but um, we're no longer with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it was good for me in the beginning. Like I enjoyed it. Like I, I started my first podcast up here in Kings Cross, and we produced our own stuff, and then. Then Podcast One wanted to launch in Australia, so they rang me. This could you be part of the launch? And I said, okay, what's the deal? And they gave me the deal, the deal I just said. Um, but I was their second largest advertiser, apart from um, someone else who was on there who was very popular. But it was they had their own radio show as well. 
Podcast one. Yeah, Hamish and Andy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to give him a free plug. <laughs> no, no, well, everyone knows who they are yeah. already. So, but I was number two, right? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't like sharing um, everything because I just felt as though like it got to a point where there was so much money involved it just didn't make sense to me. So I sort of, that's why we set up our own studios and all that sort of stuff. But what I found find interesting is there's a lot of people there who don't make any money. Mm. And, and I, they put a lot of time and effort into it. I mean, I know I spent four or five years not earning any money. Um, and you guys said you, you spent three years. I did, I started this in 2014. Um, and you know, for many years I made no money. And uh, But I, I look at some of these people that just make no money. I wonder why they're doing it. Mm. Um, and it's, it's hard to be equitable in this regard. I think if – I don't think we would – Start a podcast now. No offense it, it, to all those people out there that are thinking about doing it, but if it's something that you want to do as a business, I, I think if we were to is have it too a, crowded, it's just so hard to cut through. Yeah. It's too, so too hard crowded. to build an audience. Yeah, too crowded might not be the right term because there's a lot of choice for people to consume. But yeah, it is saturated. Well, sometimes yeah. I, I like science. Okay, so and there's just too many things to choose from. Mm. And I, I, and I started listening to one for about five minutes. I fuck, that's no good. They're, yeah. they're fucking around. They're just being <laughs> yeah. jokey and shit. Mm, you know, yeah. they're, they're shit at doing it. Yeah. I just give me what I want to know. Yep. And I couldn't find what I want. I gave up. Choice paralysis. I that's. So mm. I think that's. Ren listens to heaps of podcasts. I very rarely listen to any podcasts, and I think it's <laughs> Which because is I always we try and keep quiet. <laughs> I always open up my feed, and I've just got. Everything that I've subscribed to that I've tried to curate, but it's just like, what? I want to listen to that. I want to listen to that. I want to listen to that. Don't have time, stuff it. It's the amount of time people spend on your podcast. And that's probably one of the reasons why people drop out after a couple of minutes because mm. that's an important analytic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That consumption. consumption. Right. How engaging was I or yeah. were you? <laughs> Did they go, oh, fuck, this is boring. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and I'm one of the dudes who drops out all the time, you know, like I, I, I do. Mm. I just, because it kills me. Like, um, where did, what was the first podcast you listened to? Ever. Oh, great. Uh, Hamish and Andy. Sorry yeah. to mention them again. Really? But yeah, Hamish and Andy. So that must have only been a few years ago, five, six years ago. No, no it was when I was, was in school. In school. Yeah, uh, yeah. It would have been like 2008. Yeah, yeah. Seriously? Yeah. They, 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 they yeah, were yeah. so early on podcasting. When they yeah. were even early on but radio. But just their show, they just put on a podcast. Exactly. Yeah, 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 it yeah. wasn't a... It wasn't a podcast. It was a podcast. So they just took the show and put it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you just use a podcast system to listen to their show as opposed to tuning into them on uh, Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Yeah, and you got it. But what about real podcasts? Like something designed just for podcasts? (laughs) Real podcasts. Yeah, Yeah. Hamish and Andy. Hamish and Andy, if you're listening, I think you're a real podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Come on our show. (laughs) From memory for me, it was We Study Billionaires. Oh, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, I think. Yeah, I never really got caught up in Tim, but We Study Billionaires would have been Early. Definitely yeah. at uni. At yeah. Tim well, mine was This American Life. Oh yeah, in 2015, and uh, of course Joe. Um, a little bit after that, but uh, yeah, that, I, I used to like listening to that, mm. and that's what sort of got me. That's what made me think oh, I'm also doing this for fun. Yeah, I just I just do it. It wasn't called Mental, it was called Mike Burrow Show, and we just used to get business people on. When I first started down here in Kings Cross, but there's a very famous guy who owns a lot of real estate in King's Cross. His name is John Ibrahim. Yes. <laughs> and uh, John used to own these premises and I used to rent the premises off him because he set it up for Kyle and Jackie O yep. to run their radio show from. And then for some reason Kyle, and Kyle decided to go to LA and I don't know how it all worked, but they used to do his radio show from America. I don't know how it all worked. So this thing was abandoned. So through my mate, we rang up um, uh, John and said, well, we'll rent it off you. And we used to rent off him and, and he knew a, a sound engineer who we used to rent off him as well. And uh, I used to just go to the gym and turn up and I'd go to the gym, turn up about 6.30 in the morning, my shorts on, running shoes, T-shirt. And, you know, like you know as well, this too – we made the fatal mistake. Sometimes I'd have six guests. <laughs> Impossible. Fucking six guests. One, two, three, four, five, six. All in a row. Uh, like how do, a, how do you find six guests every week? I don't know. My son and I started it, my son Nick, and uh, we, we, we had no idea what we're doing. Nick was the executive producer. We had not a clue. Didn't know how to ask questions, didn't know what the strategy was, had no theme, um, and it was called My Bush. Show. Luckily it was just something reflect, but we did it for fun. And it's funny, you did it the same sort of thing. Let's yeah. let's have a crack yeah. at this. Not because it's a business. Mine turned into a business as yours is done, but yours is very successful. Um, mine's sort of still a part-time thing for me because I do it, but I do it because I love it. Yeah. You'd be interested to know I actually reached out to Nick, I think, in like 2018 through a mate I had at Woolies who was very good mates with Nick. To, to be come like, on the show. Can we get Mark on the show? <laughs> Tell Nick. No response. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know him? I, I know, I think one of his good mates, James, James um, 
James Shoulder. I don't know. Yeah, Shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I know. We went to school together. Yeah, like, yeah. James yeah. Used to so I was, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. made the intros, well, and funny. here we are, four, 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 four years funny. later. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Well, Nick and James are still good mates, and yeah. uh, and uh, Nick uh, now is runs his uh, an online uh, an online property business with realestate.com. But so Nick still owns a percentage of this business. I gave it to him. I gave him and Fordham a percentage of his business. Nick Fordham as well. Um, it was the three of us. Um, Nick Fordham puts puts time and effort into it. Nick, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're not, but if you're listening, Nick Boris, I haven't seen you in these new premises since we opened a year ago. You've never been walked in these new premises. And I, Jess over at our producer, she, she's never even met my son Nick. I don't think you met Nick. No, she hasn't. No. So he's a shareholder. <laughs> but, uh, but but that's how my business started. And, yeah, and, but yeah. I do it for fun because I really enjoy it. I mean, I, but, and I think you're right. You know, I think you might have said around uh, uh, Bryce or Ren might have said it earlier. You get to meet these really cool people. Mm. Yeah. Think you know I had Jordan Belfort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, hello. Yeah. Not that's, not a reflection on you guys, but hello. <laughs> yeah, that's no, pretty epic. I, I think the 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 big names are amazing. You know, like we we're not in your uh your re- realm yet, but you know we've had like Malcolm Turnbull on the show. Hamish Douglas was a some of Malcolm launched his book. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Was it? I have to tell you, you reached out to us. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was saying, we're not in your world yet, but, but I think the thing for us that's really cool is the people that you don't expect who just yeah, yeah. blow you away. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, before we came in here today, I was listening to your uh, interview with the Link Tray guys. Yeah, yeah. And that inter- th- those guys just so impressive. And you know, you never would have expected this thing that everyone just has in their Instagram bio. Twenty-four million bios. people use around the world. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so and from- Australian. Yeah, yeah. You know, I never knew that. Like until until you know, Jess found them. But like, I didn't realize. Well, I never thought about it. But that's unbelievable. Yeah, because we we use it and on listening to the show, you use yeah, we it as well. Show, yeah. But you just don't know that story. And they they were amazing listening to it. I'm sure they're amazing in person. And that's the thing that I love. We just come across these investors who just are so deep down a rabbit hole, and you know, can we learn so much from them? Or they're just so insightful and. We're pretty lucky, and I think to your point around you have to have fun doing it. We still have so much fun, and we still learn so much. And if this felt like a chore, we would probably stop doing it. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, wh- there's just one scary thing about it all, right? And I just, we have to touch on it quickly before we go. Um, well, I want to touch on it. The regulators are starting to get in your what you're talking about, starting to get a little bit um, uh, loquacious, like speaking a little bit or become a bit more noisy about. Are you using celebrities to promote buying this stock or that stock, et cetera? What, what are your guidelines around that? What are you doing around making sure you don't get caught up in ASIC? Yeah, so I think the first thing to say is it's good that ASIC are engaging with this space. You know, um, people instantly jump to like this oppositional stance, but this is something that's, you know, social media, podcasting, YouTube, all of that have sort of emerged in the last five or six years and, the more asset guidance, the better. Like that's that's the first place. Are to they start. giving guidance? Have they approached you or talked to you? So they've given guidance, um, and they held a call with a number of people in the space that we jumped on. Um, and so yeah, they're they're engaging in the space. They're looking at it, but I don't think we necessarily need to think that's a bad thing to begin no, with. No, totally. um, I think engaging with the regulator more and more is better rather than just nothing and then something goes wrong. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think that that's where we start. Now we obviously have spoken to uh, a few different lawyers to get advice, to know where the line is, all of that stuff. So we're, we're pretty confident and pretty comfortable with where we're at. Um, but, you know, like there, there are clear examples where people step over the line. Did you see, so ASIC are taking uh, ASX Wolf to court at the moment who takes photos in front of Lamborghinis that he yeah. probably doesn't own and, and charges people thousands of dollars to join his stock tips group. Like that clearly over the line um so it's great that ASIC are engaging but for us you know we're in a position where we're a new form of media but what we're doing isn't new what we are doing is in a long line of newspapers and radio and tv and then uh internet websites newsletters yeah yeah and you know and every iteration of that media journey there have been people that have been on the right side of the law and there are people on the wrong side of the law you know with newsletters Rene Rivkin yeah. stepped over the line he went to jail but there were plenty of newsletters well Rene was stepping over the line because Rene was a client I was in law firm those days and Rene was a client of ours and Rene went to jail because he went and bought he 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 did insider trading yeah, yeah. he pumped Qantas he or went, something he, yeah. 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 he used his medium which was around Rivkin level which is very famous um, to promote something that he was 
buying, either buying or selling. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. And he got caught. But 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 what is great about this, Ren, is that what it means when the regulator starts to talk to you, means that you're not a cottage industry anymore. Yeah. They're just something to be reckoned with. (laughs) (laughs) To be clear, they're not just speaking to us. They're speaking to everyone. But, you know, not just you. We can't be flattered too much. (laughs) You're you're a big part of the industry and, uh, you know, you're an influential part of the industry. Mm. In fact, you got invited to the call. And that just means that it's gone beyond cottage. That means you've got a big enough audience and it's significant enough in people's lives and you're having a a good enough effect, a good enough effect, such that they want to make sure you don't ever have a bad effect. Not you, but everybody. That, that's a great thing. And I think for us, like we we started this because we wanted to learn and now we're in this like really privileged position where we get to learn in public and help other people learn. And we don't hold ourselves out as experts and we don't want to come across as experts um, because we are just learning and, and trying to do it in a very public way. And I think, you know, we we get messages from people that, you know, weren't investing and now are investing um, and are learning and are listening to other experts or going to see an advisor for the first time or really importantly knowing the, the right questions to ask their advisor that they didn't know before. And so on net, we like to think that we've made a positive impact. If we haven't, we'd probably shut up shop. So tell us if you think on net we've made a negative impact. But um, for us, that's we, we just want to learn and we want to help other people learn. And yeah. I think, you know, that's not something that, that we're just a new form of media to do that. Uh, my yeah. team listen to you and my team think you guys are great. So, you know, equity mates, especially in their generation, they're millennials and uh, and younger. Their endorsement to me is, from my point of view, is a pretty good rap. So, and I, I, I can only tell you, give you some feedback, that you're having a good effect great. and uh, you are tapping right into the millennials' desire to make money mm. over time and to accumulate assets when they can't buy property. Because yeah. property's too bloody hard, yeah. too ex, too expensive. Can't qualify. Can't buy where I want to live. Don't understand it. I'm priced out. Yeah. What do I do? Mm. I think invest in stocks. Yeah, <laughs> I think the property conversation is a well worn conversation. The conversation that probably isn't as well worn is the advisor conversation. So we asked our audience in our survey that we we're talking about earlier: Do you have a financial advisor? And then do you feel like you need a financial advisor? And the gap there is really stark. You filter for people under 25, so people at the very start of their investing journey, small dollar, you know, um, investors that have no idea what they're doing. 5% have an advisor, 40% think they need an advisor. Biggest drivers that they can't because the cost and because advisors can't take small dollar clients now because of all the- All the regulations. I had a business which I sold because of that. Mm. My clientele was, you know, $100,000 or less in terms of investable assets. That's where we took our wealth business. After the Royal Commission, I couldn't service them. The cost of those, I'd have to charge them five grand. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It didn't make sense. So I sold the business off to Sequoia, actually. Sequoia bought it from me. All right. So, uh, and I did that four years ago. I did it actually the year of the uh, Home Royal Commission inquiry coming out. So I just had to get, I just couldn't make that work. Yeah. And I, I wanted to look after Australians who couldn't afford financial advice. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. sort of was yeah. my thing. But anyway, I had to move away from it. Guys, I want to thank you very much. It's been really good to talk to Equity Mates. You guys have got a great business model. You got you get really big wraps. You've done very, very well. You've got a big audiences. You get lots of downloads every month. Um, it's fantastic. And uh, lucky for your audience that uh, two blokes like you love what you're doing. You did what you did. Thanks very much. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a Mentored Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.